Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. All right. It is December 6th, 2019. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We are talking SmackDown Live SmackDown on Fox. I am Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Michael Wiseman and Raj Geary. Maybe we'll have a fourth joining us tonight. Who knows? Stay tuned. So good to see you both again. I feel like I have been gone for oh so long, and I only missed, what, three podcasts? It hasn't. I feel like it's been more than that. Has it only been three? It's only been three. Wow. All right. But here I am. I am back. I appreciate everyone reaching out to me. It's amazing. When I get hit up on Instagram, LinkedIn, all these different channels. It's phenomenal. We have the best fans. But that being said, I didn't even reach about... out to you. I feel like a terrible co-host here. I did nothing. I assumed you were fine. Ah, you know, it's a, it's kind of nice. I like I like that people care. They care. And that's what Apparently I don't. So there you go. It's, it's really okay. Uh, my favorite, Raj, when you you asking me Wednesday night if I was doing the podcast when I'm like on an airplane because you saw I was watching wrestling. Yeah, you're tweeting about it. I was like, yeah, if I can... Uh... I've been doing the podcast a lot, so I, yeah, I have a ton of stuff I'm trying to uh, get done before this trip. I'm going to go on in a couple of weeks, so I was well, like, that's yeah. Right. yeah, but uh, it's always fun to do it, so here we are. Absolutely. A lot of things, including shaving the beard. Maybe this was a Wednesday night thing. I don't Here's know. But... Controversial. Did it for the wife and the kids, but it'll be back. Ah, mm. uh, yes. You know, have I ever, I've never fully shaved a bit on this podcast. I think I've been You've been close. Like, yeah, close. like a really short stubble. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, I just, I can't, I can't go back, man. It's been almost 15 years. And eventually this beard is going to come in fully and it's going to be awesome when it does. Uh, that being said, SmackDown tonight. Oh, SmackDown. So much tonight in the build up to TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the next pay-per-view. We started with a recap of what happened last week between Daniel Bryan and The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. Now, I did go on YouTube. I did watch the Firefly Funhouse segments from last week, even though I missed SmackDown. Loved the return of the Muscle Man dance. Uh, saw Daniel tonight in the recap being dragged under the ring. Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, holding his hair out from uh, popping up from under the ring. Uh, we got The Miz tonight making his way out for an episode of Miz TV. And him talking about Daniel Bryan and his disappearance, getting interrupted by Bray Wyatt uh, in the Firefly Funhouse. And... Is it really going to be Bray versus the Miz at TLC now? It's Bray, not the Fiend. Yeah. So the debut of Red Sweater Bray. Does he actually want to wrestle? Like, I just get the feeling that Bray Wyatt just wants to be everybody's friend and play. And I just, I, I... well, that it's was his gimmick, right? Like when Seth, uh, you know, approached him, he's like, "Hey, man, you know, he he doesn't want to fight. He's not the fighting guy. It's the Fiend, and the Fiend is the dark side, and he's supposed to be the, I guess, the childlike." muscle man dance guy but um look this this tlc is kind of a throwaway pay-per-view as it is it's you know de december don't give me shit for this but i was on ryback's podcast this morning we're talking about how december is kind of a worthless month you know for wwe you don't have any real storylines they're just kind of killing time until the royal rumble in january so this pay-per-view it's just kind of stuff that doesn't mean much um but yeah it, it uh you know, seeing the seeing the red sweater Bray Wyatt's debut, at least that'll be something different. I absolutely 
love, uh, I absolutely love that we got Bray going after the Miz's family tonight. And I am hoping we see Maurice in a Firefly Funhouse segment or something with Bray in this dark, twisted reality. Um, I think this is a good way to give us something fresh, new, and different with the character. Yeah, you know, this this opening opening segment was interesting. The Firefly Funhouse has been Bray Wyatt's main way to sell his promos since returning in this character. And I, I've kind of been on again, off again with it, but I would say tonight, I thought it was a good way for him in the Miz to kind of amp up to that next level and to set a storyline in motion that took place throughout the entire show, right? Because at the very beginning here, the Miz saying Daniel Bryan's been missing since last week. I like the fact that they addressed that directly and they kind of sold it as a real thing. We've not seen Daniel Bryan in a week. And, and so that was effective, I thought. And even just the Firefly Funhouse being creepy, like we've seen the Muscle Man dance and I love the Muscle Man dance, don't get me wrong, but I love it when you see this kind of earnest Bray Wyatt that's also kind of creepy when he spells family and references the old Wyatt family. So I thought all of that did a really good job of setting up what is now going to be a pay-per-view match. You know, again, to Raj's point, no great storytelling happens in December, but at least they did something tonight to add to the card in two weeks. In a way, it's, it's almost more interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Him wrestling as Bray, like what's he, you know, what's his getup going to be? Uh, is he going to be using the same moves or is he going to be kind of back to old Bray? What's his entrance music going to be? Does, is he going to bring a wagon with all the puppets? You know, <laughs> like it, it, it does make it more intriguing in, in a way because we've seen The Fiend. Uh, we know what's coming. Uh, so it's a nice little break while keeping Bray on TV. Maybe, maybe we get a double and The Fiend appears as well in addition to Bray and they find a way to make it really interesting. But let me tell you what I love about this and the inclusion of the Mrs. Family with Maurice uh, and his daughters. You know what some of my favorite movies are? Is the from hell genre of movie. And what I mean by that is uh, The Crush, The Crush from Hell, uh, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, The Nanny from Hell, Unlawful Entry, The Cop from Hell. And I love this idea that Bray is trying to single white female The Miz and steal his family out from under him. <laughs> Number one, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> okay, you're too young, Michael. Raj, you remember these movies. You've seen Single White Female. I do. And Steven Weber. Little, yes. uh, <laughs> absolutely. You know what was a great forgotten movie? gem from him? Do you remember? Do you remember Orphan that came out like ten years ago? I uh, know. <laughs> Never heard of it. Bad <laughs> shit, crazy. Watch that film. But I love that they're doing something that's an homage to that genre, and it's a shame that it's so rushed because I think they could really have a field day with this if they wanted to develop the story. I reckon that was like Vince's note to the writers. Yeah, let's reference the From Hell series. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great series of films. A lawful entry with Ray Liotta. Like he's a cop. He's stalking them. He's trying to take over. Yeah, it's, it's very it personal. Never seen it. Like yes. for wrestling, I like, you know, we have this weird Bobby Lashley, Lana storyline on Raw that has been kind of coolly receptive online, but Rusev is so popular, he's getting it over, right? And that's a different kind of personal. I like this kind of personal where like the Miz is legit worried about his family and you're connected with those characters as a viewer. I think that works in a way that that Lana stuff doesn't. And it doesn't have to happen on screen, but the tease as we see it later with the picture of the family, like all that stuff does add up to make this feud, even though it's basically a one night, you know, kind of one night build feud here. It makes it work. Um, the only thing with this, uh, storyline wise, yeah, I think they could do some cool stuff, but just the Miz in that role, it's just hard to... I don't know. It's hard to see him as the valiant hero standing up for his family, just with his character. Just he's this annoying, uh, you know, heel. I mean, and that's what he should be. I mean, he's just a natural at it. He's great at it. And in just this role, 
him in that role doesn't work for me but uh you know again as a one-off it's more about bray i'm, I'm interested yeah. in seeing that oh absolutely and that's where i think the miz is perfect for this because he is coming across as uh i mean does anyone ever really sympathize with the miz i mean they've done a good job of establishing his family on the reality show and i'm a miz fan here so put that disclaimer out there they've done a good job of establishing that rapport in a way that i think that casual fans do engage with the miz as being more of a family man than like us who've been watching him for 15 years right uh, so i think it does sell at a certain point but he's not to raj's point i don't think he is a triumphant hero either y you know though like what i think this is good at is I was expecting them tonight to come out and say, look, Daniel Bryan's back and he's bald. And then we get the next step in that. And I'm glad they delayed that. And I'm glad they're filling it with something meaningful. I, I think that's an interesting way to go because it's building the suspense. They used to do this a lot more than to have 20 hours of TV every week, which was build the suspense for somebody returning, not next week, but maybe next month. Let me ask you guys this. When Miz is on the phone, you know, talking about, you know, make sure to lock the doors and, and board the windows or whatever. Did you buy it? You know, like I think if it was Daniel Bryan in that role, you probably would more. I, as It is still silly enough that you probably won't fully buy it, but yeah. Daniel Bryan could sell it better. Miz, I am just like, ugh, you know, just I don't know. It's just not right. <laughs> in that not part. Right. In that part. Uh, I uh, think uh, this made me instantly interested in it. I think it's a way to keep it sort of fresh. And uh, yeah, there's something about this where, see, it doesn't work with Bobby Lana and Rusev because people really like Rusev and don't want to see him be the butt of the joke. And they're doing it in such a like overtly yeah. sexual way. With this, I think it's much more nefarious. It's much more um, menacing. And at the same time, like The Miz is never going to come across like a true baby face. So you can like him. And I agree with you, Michael. I love the Miz, but I don't love him as an endearing baby face. Sure. Fair enough. I think so many people right now in WWE are miscast from their, where their strengths are. You know, we'll get to Lacey Evans, um, yeah. Charlotte Flair, uh, the Miz, you know, they're all better on the opposite side. Sure. So let's talk about somebody Matt Morgan loves. How about that? Mandy Rose. <laughs> Since he's not here, I'm sorry. Yeah, man, I can't yeah. so Matt Morgan, he had the uh, the Christmas tree lighting in his hometown. So uh, he was not able to get back and watch SmackDown in time after that. I know he loves Mandy Rose. And, um, you know, I have different feelings on Mandy Rose. I, I'm not as big of a fan of her work. So we, we can have an honest conversation tonight. Mandy Rose versus Alexa Bliss. <laughs> what do you guys yeah. think about this? What is there to say about this match? Well, Jessica Carr, making her full-time roster debut, refereed this match. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I just feel like Mandy's taunts now, I mean, hasn't it become so, sort of generic that it's like, you'll never look like this. You'll never be me. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't feel like she's connecting with me in any way that I, I can tell her and what her persona is. Raj, I mean, you know, I, I thought this was more of an Alexa Bliss showcase. What do you think? Yeah, and I think that's what it was meant to be. It was just to get Alexa Bliss a win. It is weird for Mandy to be saying that to Alexa, you know. As far as, you know, on, on attractiveness, I mean, they're, you know, two of the most attractive women on SmackDown. So it, it's it's just weird to be doing the body shaming, you know, pretty shaming, whatever you call it. It, it just, I don't know. But yeah, I agree with the, uh, I can't say that username. He, he, he been lidged. Uh, that Mandy's ta taunts sound like Vince speaking. It's not good. Yeah. She did rip out. I, I love the spot, though. It reminded me of Triple H and Batista at WrestleMania, where 
Batista um, and the, the the pierced nose and Triple H ripped it out. They did that with the eyelashes tonight, which I thought was a fun little spot. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Alexa Bliss's eyelashes on the mat. There you go. Yeah, I think they need to give Mandy more uh, ring time on house shows and, and longer matches or something because she hasn't really been uh, improving much in, in, in a while. She, I feel like she's kind of been running in place. Her in-ring skills are kind of where they were a year ago. So. But whatever happened... Now, I don't watch Total Divas except for the one episode that I caught at the start of the season, but wasn't there supposed to be some storyline with her and Sonya that was planned that I guess was talked about in an episode? It was approved and it was going to be a Sonya Mandy storyline it seemed like they were hinting at that almost with the triangle with ec3 or somebody mm. about six months ago it just seems like that got dropped completely they hinted at a, like a little lesbian thing uh, i think one week where yeah. they kind of looked at each other and i think sonia grabbed her hair and like played with her hair it was something i think that was just done completely for total divas i don't think they ever intended to go through with it mm. it was just something that you know every now and then you'll see something random on programming like Paige licking Natalia's face or, you know, things like that. And you're, you're wondering like, where are they going with that? And they never go anywhere, but then you'll see it on total divas and, and it's a storyline on total divas. So you, it's a lot of these things that you see are just for that show. Just like yeah. whenever a couple weeks ago on raw, when they were like, you'll never believe what happens next. It's like the, I think it was Jojo or somebody backstage, right? You'll never believe what happens next. And they cut to a promo for total divas where Ronda Rousey's like, I'm not sure I'm retired yet. I'm like, are we mixing the storylines now? Like, and that's the problem with it running so far behind, right? Is that, and that's the reason why I can't watch the show. If Total Divas was airing concurrently with WWE programming, I think it would be an interesting added wrinkle. But instead, I feel like it's all about old news and events that happened way in the past. Yeah, and and there are there are times when Total Divas has real stuff on there. Um, sure, you know, like Daniel Bryan when you know he had to retire, and and it was interesting watching that show back then because. You would see his real, you know, uh, real reactions to that and how he felt after and the behind the scenes stuff that you never really got to see. So, um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, to the to your point now, all the stuff is you're not seeing anything, anything dramatic that really happened. And it's all stuff we've known for six months, you know, Ronda Rousey retiring, taking time off. So it, that's not going to be a selling point for any wrestling fan watching the commercials for that show. There was a thing that Impact Wrestling did right around 2010, 2011, I think, where they had those shows that were like, they expand, I think they did it right after Impact some weeks and they made its own show at one point, but it was like a non-wrestling wrestling show and it continued the stories of everything happening in the ring, but with more personal storylines. And I think eventually they folded it back into Weekly Impact, but it felt like a very organic way to extend the stories. WWE's got their YouTube channel and they've done it with a 24-7 title, but I still don't think they've quite tapped into how do we make these stories exist outside of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT every week. And um, I, I, it's just a challenge for them. I always thought it would be cool if just once in a while they could tie in the stories from Total Divas to yeah. what's going on per, you know, cr- you know, currently. Like, you know, a few seasons ago where they had Dolph Ziggler going to kiss Nikki Bella. And then if you had it on, you know, WWE programming that Cena never knew about that. And he's just looking to get at Ziggler and wanting to kill him. Granted, that's not Cena's character. Cena's character is like, oh, I don't care. But if you did that, it <laughs> would mean something. Ziggler, it's okay. I, yeah. Right. It would mean something. It would yeah. get the fans wanting to watch Total Divas, at least for that part, of, you know, that storyline. And uh, and you could build a Cena-Ziggler feud off of it. But 
I had a Twitter interaction around the premiere this year with Tom Cassiello, former WWE writer. And uh, one thing he did reveal in a tweet to me, he said, uh, and this was public, but saying that there has been talk, ongoing talk, as long as the series has been around about finding a way to interweave it. But there are some of the reasons are stupid. Some of the reasons are corporate. Like it's just never worked out and it's probably never going to happen because you have E on one side and WWE on the other. And there's no way you can make them work harmoniously together. I can see that. Mm. Yeah. So in a perfect world, but it ain't happening, folks. Um, so Alexa Bliss won that match, stood tall. We saw the eyelashes on the mat, got a replay showing how they were ripped off. And then Dana Brooke. Oh, Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke is having a phenomenal comeback entirely due to social media and her ongoing romance with uh, Dave Batista. It's been happening on the Twitters. And now they It's legit. Yeah. They're really going on a date. Well, that that makes it legit. Like, is it legit though? Does that? I yeah. think so. I mean, this. I mean, you think WWE could have scripted that? Batista really breaking up with his girlfriend and, and uh, tweeting that he's single, and Dana Brooke is one of the ones that happens to be tagged in a tweet, and it went from there. I don't think it's like yeah. unlegit like that. Like, I don't think WWE is scripting it, but I also don't think they are like a budding romance. I think they're having fun on Twitter and they're just paying off this whole thing. It That's started. What I off- thought at first. Oh, go, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. It started off wholesome, and then by like day two, I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Squats. Yeah, yeah. This was a you weird. No, like there's a lot of times where you think something, you know, they're just working, you know, the fans, like the the Cena Nikki Bella wedding being called off, and then they really did break up. Like the yeah. the wedding really was called off. So. Well, this is why we got Dana Brooke here, right? I mean, Dana mm-hmm. Brooke was on TV this week because she had that social media interaction yeah. with Dave Batista. Yeah. Hey, good for her. She deserves all the success uh, due to her. I like Dana Brooke. She's uh, I like her a lot. She's not the greatest in the ring, but she's she's got she's got something to her uh, her personality that uh, you know can can be a natural baby face. Sure. Yeah, and but that's not how they booked her forever. And they they just go back and forth with her, but I think now with <laughs> as long as she keeps doing this thing with Batista, I think they'll keep keep her in some role. So she was backstage when Drake Maverick approached. Uh, Drake's jealous, even though he's married. And like, that was just a plot line, what, like three months ago? But then Elias came out, sang a little song to diss Drake. And uh, then we went into the ring <laughs> with Drake just pissed off, asking everyone if they think he's funny, asked Elias. Uh, Elias is out there with Dana. Elias enters the ring. The charge. This basically ends up with Dana pinning Drake Maverick. This was a style. Oh, I did not like anything about this, and I thought it made everybody just look terrible, especially Elias and Drake Maverick. I did not dig anything about this. Again, we're talking about people miscast Elias. They tried him as a baby face, and it, they changed him back within a few months just because it did not work. He's just a great natural heel. Him as a baby face here. I, I just found this whole thing corny. It's just yeah. cheesy. I mean, they did, you know, they did a good job embarrassing Drake, which they love to do. Drake's pissed his pants before, and they had a story about how he couldn't consummate his marriage. And here's here's some more of that. Hey, but, but I don't gotta... think it connects, though. Like, none of that stuff is funny enough to connect. Go ahead, Glenn. Hey, we got a really good Blue Chew tweet, though, out of that Drake Maverick <laughs> marriage consummation storyline. So, you know. <laughs> 
I'll take I just that. don't feel like it connects at all. Like, you know, these things, it feels like one person's version of what is something really funny. Uh, and I just think <laughs> one that person, who would that one person be? Like, hypothetically. Right. And I just think that when it comes to the mainstream audience, it's a sense of humor that makes everything else around it feel cheaper. And, and Drake Maverick, he leans into this. He's a great comedic character, right? Good for him. But also he's a great talker. And I would love to see him pair. Like Nick and I are talking this week in the Winkley. Pair him up with EC3. Send those guys back down to NXT. Give them a run down there. It would be a fantastic duo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Book it. There you go. <laughs> so after this, The Miz was walking backstage on a mission. Kicked open a door, walked in, and in there was a family photo of The Miz's family, but with Bray Wyatt replacing The Miz. And then Wyatt appeared suddenly behind the Miz in his funhouse gear, telling him to say cheese. Miz turned around. Wyatt dropped him with Sister Abigail. Wyatt laughed, taunted the Miz on his way out of the room after placing the framed photo on his chest, and we went to commercial. Yeah, I was uh, tweeting that that's the first time that Red Sweater Bray has attacked someone since the whole Firefly Funhouse stuff has begun. So, yeah, history. Huh. Yes, it's Market. happening all the time. December 6, 2019. <laughs> oh, man. So... Uh, we saw some footage from Tribute to the Troops, which is going to air later this month. Then we had a fatal four-way number one contenders elimination match. Mustafa Ali and Shorty G versus the Lucha House Party versus the Revival versus Heavy Machinery for the number one tag team contenders uh, match that uh, the Revival ended up winning. Man, Raj, what's going on with Heavy Machinery? They're so over with the crowd, but it feels like they are not getting ahead. With heavy machinery, yeah. I, I mean, mean they're the... they're a comedy tag team. I, I mean, there's a you know, there's usually a limit to those. I mean, can you? I, I mean, they, they could put the tag team championships on them, but yeah. I mean, between them and the Viking Raiders on Raw, I mean, really, if you had to pick one, you think the Viking Raiders are the more worthy tag team? They're better. Uh, they're better in the ring for sure. Um, I mean, heavy machinery. It's basically Otis doing the caterpillar and and taking down the straps. The, other than that, they're really not much. Wait a second. Otis has got a lot. Not the worm? I thought it was the worm. I thought when he does it, it's called the caterpillar. Oh, man. My mind is blown. Yeah. Huh. You learn something new all the time. December 6, 2019. There you go. History. Absolutely. You know, this was like an interesting match. I mean, it got got some time because they were eliminating three different teams. And I thought what I did like about it, though, was you come down to those final two teams. Glenn... Heavy machinery, I think, very over with the audience, but also the winner of this match was going up against the New Day, and I feel like Heavy Machinery and the New Day kind of serve the same purpose, True. which is we're the feel-good tag team champions of the year, right? We just like to have a good time and, <laughs> That's right. and wrestle. So I, can't, I think it kind of made sense to go a different direction here, um, but I was surprised at how much they put the revival over here because it seemed like they were kind of pulling back on them a little bit, but they made them look very strong. The, I think the last couple of minutes of this match were very good. It was a fine match. Commercial breaks make it hard to read. The last few minutes I thought were very good. And I thought it made the revival look like very credible championship contenders. Yeah. I mean, I mean the revival, they're a great team, but yeah. as, as good as they are, they're not really that over with the crowd, right? They're over with the internet. But um, the live crowds, it's not like they're getting tons of heel heat or, or people are really caring that much. Uh, and I think it's just because of how they're booked. You know, they're losing, then they're winning for a few weeks and they're back to losing forever. Um, there's just no consistency with how they're booked. I mean, the New Day and Revival, I feel, feel like we've seen this match you know, a thousand times. Pointing out. 
like that this was something new for the tag division, but no desire to see the New Day versus Revival again. I think that's the key. The Revival are a fantastic tag team, but they need to get the titles and keep the titles, not just be involved in ping-ponging it around. I mean, put them at the top of the division. I don't know. This just feels like this is going in a circle right now. Well, they haven't had a good tag team feud. And and when I mean when I say that, I don't mean just two teams like the New Day and the Usos going back and forth having great matches, but not much of a story there other than that they want to be the best, which can be a good story. And, and it did work for New Day and the Usos, but a real heated rivalry between two teams. It's been a while. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see that, you know, with the Revival and maybe the Usos if they come back. Uh, I mean, their status right now is up in the air. Um, and, and by that, I don't mean like they're going to be released, but when they come back is up in the air. Um, so... It's, it's like they said this in the announced team. They said these guys could be, re- you know, when they're talking about which teams could win, could they be rekindling the feud with so-and-so, the revival there? And they always talk about, like, rekindling feuds. I tweeted about this and how, like, these guys are always on the verge of rekindling these hot feuds. And these guys a lot of times didn't have real feuds. Like, I, I think of Triple H and The Rock. They had an ongoing multi-years feud that they would circle back in and around sometimes, right? Stone Cold and The Rock the same way. And nowadays, they don't get those same – like, they get a lot of, like, short-term storylines, but, like, real long-term rivalries I don't feel like happen, but WWE thinks they do. Yeah. That that one uh, user mentioned when Randy Orton was with Revival, and I thought that was a really cool little little faction that, again, they never went anywhere with that. You know, we were talking about Drake Maverick earlier. Him and EC3 have great chemistry. We've seen it in Impact. I feel like they could be using EC3 and doing something with those two guys. But, you know, it's WWE doesn't like what they don't create. Per my idea to send them back down to NXT, right? 2019, book it. Yeah. Just this idea of, oh, we want to prove we're the best. So, I mean, we see this viewer data lately. Like, the average WWE viewers is older now. Raj, we're in our 40s. Do you have a desire to be the best at anything anymore? Yes. Not, like I still the best. not to be good, not to succeed, but to be the best. God, are you yeah. ready to roll over and Absolutely. die? Is what he's Absolutely. asking. Yeah, I still I'm got some desire. Top I'll be top top five, top ten. I'm good. But the best? <laughs> well, like, I mean, you know, with the website, I'm constantly, you know, I have my 14, 16 hour days just to kind of keep it, you know, the best for what it is. Just well, went down to the retirement home, I guess, huh? <laughs> You know, at a certain point, compromises must be made. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm not that old. Come on. We're, we're ancient. Actually, but the average WWE viewer, isn't the average viewer now like older than us? Isn't it like 50 years old or something like that? You know, at some point, uh, the Nielsen ratings are going to have to be revamped. I, I just wonder, you know, there's, there's so many people that when you do stream it, uh, you're, you're, you know, those numbers are being counted, but are they keeping track as the same way as if you're watching on traditional cable of, you know, the age of the viewers and, uh, you know, how many people are watching per home and things like that. I, I want to try to have someone from Nielsen on, you know, one of these days who can really kind of go over how, because they say they do track Hulu and YouTube TV and Sling and those all are accounted for in those numbers. But how do you keep track of the number of viewers per home? Is it the same way? Because... You know, if you go to YouTube TV, go to your settings, you could opt out of Nielsen ratings. But when I go when I'm watching something on YouTube TV, they don't know, uh, you know, how many people I'm watching the show with. So 
What also Nielsen is was already a very outdated system. Like, I mean, if you've done Nielsen before, either there's a box or you fill out a survey by pay, by hand, and it still didn't capture to be as specific a numbers as they give you. Again, a sample size, right? They have ways of getting that data. It still feels a little bit loosey goosey in the age of DV. Even with DVRs, it took them forever to do the DVR plus seven, right? Where they counted those first seven days as part of that. So I, I think well, Nielsen tends to be a little bit yeah. behind the times. Yeah, but, you know, those are also what advertisers use, you know, WWE, their business reports. That's what, you know, decides the fate of a TV show. So it's still the standard. It's still the numbers you got to go by. Um, But I just really wonder if that 50 is what the real average uh, age of a WWE fan is. Because you go to those shows and you don't see many plus 50. Granted, the plus 50 are the ones that aren't going to be going as much. But, um, yeah, well... I, I just have my, I just have some doubts with the whole thing. Yeah. So after that, what happened? The revival hit the mic and said, "It's a new day, no more." They're taking it back to the old days, the fundamentals. What brought them there? Old-fashioned, old-school tag team wrestling. The new day will no longer be able to make a joke out of the titles and everything else. No more pancakes and unicorns. After TLC, they can go back to crying behind their desks and doing what they do, but at least they'll be able to say they got beat by the best tag team in WWE, the revival. I feel like we've heard this promo before. It's their bread and butter promo. It is their, we are old school. No, you know, no flips, just fists, but it works. I like, I mean, this is what these guys are. They are one track, one track, you know, they're great wrestlers. They don't need all the fluff. And I, I think it works. And let's not forget these promos are scripted for them. So that's what the script writers know to, to write for them. <laughs> Copy, paste. Jeez. Control C, control V, right? They learned it. Off. But uh, yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I'd like to see the, you know, the one thing I think WWE could benefit so much from. The one thing that AEW has a real leg up on them with is the, um, is the promos. And I think, you know, there's so many areas where WWE is, you know, better than AEW right now. And so I think if they allowed the promos to get better, they would, you know, that would, uh, you know, shrink that gap as far as quality of some of these feuds and stuff go. So Seamus is back. I guess he came back last week. He's been, he's been doing the promo. Yeah. The vignette was last week. It's good. What the hell is that? Glenn? What? <laughs> I didn't even see that. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, for those listening missed, to the audio version, Glenn has a bunch of Raj Geary's behind him right now. <laughs> I miss the bearded my, Raj. My old beard. Yes. Ah. <laughs> my old Anyhow, beard. You had it like uh, last week. <laughs> I had it a few days ago. <laughs> right. Rest in peace, everybody. Pour a little out for Raj's beard. <laughs> I, I like Seamus here. Like these these promos, they're what Seamus needs to be doing, right? Seamus needs to be this kind of I'm gonna come back and kick some arse kind of guy, right? He's gotta be serious. And I think he has – Matt pointed this out last week, and I've thought a lot about it. He's a he's from a different era from a lot of these guys right now. As in, he was from the mid to late 2000s in that company. But I think that's good for him. And I think that kind of style mixed with what we're seeing from modern WWE is exactly where Sheamus needs to be. And I hope they give him that platform because I'm a big fan of Sheamus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I felt like he's one of those guys that gets uh, – that gets – stuck with the booking sometimes like they just stop using him like or he'll be he'll start to catch fire it's kind of like how bad news barrett was there for a while he'll start to catch on with something and they just drop it and you know take him off tv so hopefully hopefully they stick with it and they put him in a meaningful feud i'd like to see some more meaningful feuds you know coming up and not just with the top guys but 
you know, that was one of the things people criticized Vince Russo a lot. And he did put too much on the screen, but he did have everyone involved in something. And I don't think you need everyone, but at least a few different people on the show. So we had Lacey Evans versus Haley Jones, assuming local enhancement talent. Mm -hmm. And this was really a setup, Lacey getting the win here. But after Sasha Banks coming out, interrupting her, them having a face-off before Lacey was ambushed by Bailey uh, from behind. So this was interesting tonight. Sasha once again referring to herself as the blueprint. So can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. Um, Good thing Matt's not here. Dodge yeah. the bullet there. <laughs> but I don't know, Raj, what would you think of uh, this segment and how they're they're booking it with Lacey as the, the baby face against uh, Sasha and Bailey here? Yeah, I mean, Lacey's kind of been a babyface for a few weeks now. I just I just think she's stronger as a heel. She was really starting to get that character over. She's been doing a great job with it. It's like I said, her and Charlotte, they're um they're miscast. They're 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 so strong as heels right now and and I think that's where they should be. And Bailey should be a babyface. I will say though that Bailey tonight looked more comfortable out there as a heel than she had been recently. So, uh we'll see if that continues, but I thought she looked a lot more uh, in in that role. She gets thought, better every week. Michael, what is this? Haley Jones? Haley yeah. Jones looked terrible. Like, where do they find her? Like, I know she was enhancement talent, but like, wasn't <laughs> criticizing the enhancement talent. <laughs> no, like, there were a couple of times in that match where I was legit worried about Lacey Evans. And like, I know these enhancement talents are supposed to look bad, but my God, no, I, you know, Raj, I agree with you in a lot of these. Like, I think people are miscast. What I will say about this, though, was that they finally let Lacey Evans lean into her background in a more meaningful way like they let her come out there and cut the i'm a badass marine and i come from the armed forces and we don't deal with this kind of yeah she really did thank you tammy in the chat room um she really did Haley jones looked like a ringmaster from the circus um, or a lion tamer absolutely <laughs> um but no I, I think they let it lacey evans cut a my background is in the military and kind of that more i said it last week that more true american hero like what you get from the again i'm watching glow i can't think of her name who's the the main uh, liberty bell liberty bell but like without the corniness around it like a little more authenticity and when i felt like for the first time since lacey evans has been on the scene i saw who the real lacey Evan, evans was behind that and i like that about it yeah i mean lacy when they do turn her baby like if they want to give her a strong baby face run i mean she has that backstory they yep. they should use that uh the sassy southern bell who's you know doing that shtick it doesn't scream baby face to me yeah yeah and she came across legit i mean again i, I thought she did a lacy herself had fine promos in the past i thought this was a good promo for I, her. yeah i thought she was really good here I think it's going to be interesting. So who's she going to face? Sasha at TLC? Or Bailey? It kind of seems like Sasha, and then that leads to Bailey. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I think Sasha is very underutilized. But Yeah. What's up with that? It seems like in this whole thing, right, we get Bailey as champion. Bailey turns heel. I think this is the problem that we've talked about. It's that Bailey is hindered in her ability to have, for lack of a better word, swagger when pairing her with Sasha Banks, who's got like the most charisma, pizzazz, um, you know, and just walks the talk. I think anyone would look bad right alongside her, especially if they're trying to come across as a badass or a heel. I mean, yeah, you look at you look at Sasha out there and she just looks like a complete like superstar. Um, I think it, it, it almost hurts Bailey, you know, being. Yeah, to your point, it, it 
doesn't do her any favors right now. Well, they did tease too. I mean, Sasha came out before Bailey and said to Lacey Evans, I'm the real leader of the SmackDown women's locker room. So it almost seems like maybe they are laying the groundwork for after this short-term feud gets over to have, yeah, exactly as this impossible to say name, E. Hubbinlish said in the chat room, um, have Bailey and Sasha feud, cut the ties. I think that maybe is where they're heading for WrestleMania season. Um, because again, Sasha's boasting out there and I think it would be good for Bailey to kind of have to go up against her and maybe turn back to the good side of the person. How many times in the past have we thought that that's where they're heading? <laughs> True. Or they, they're building to that and it just com- gets completely dropped. And then yeah. they're, they're visiting a psychiatrist one week and then that's <laughs> dropped. Um, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I was talking about, so, uh, wrestling Inc's own Jesse Collins was asking about wrestling moments of the decade. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I think if I had to pick one moment, one match, I think Sasha versus Bailey at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn yes. is the most impactful thing that happened in the 2010s. Now, second to that, I would say is All In happening because mm-hmm. All In broke a 20-year monopoly by the commands. But Sasha versus Bailey broke a 40-year-plus, 50-year-plus cloud the women's wrestling was under and turned it into something that could ultimately uh, main event WrestleMania. I think Sasha versus Bailey you know, how long are they going to wait? And they've botched both of them so bad that I think that they need to pull this feud. Having this feud with Bailey as a heel, Sasha as a baby face, I think could just be fantastic. I agree. Well, and if you go back to that feud, I mean, I think it's a great one to bring up, Lynn, because that that match felt so seminal. I, I was there. I got to see it live. It was awesome. Oh, wow. the, the crowd. Yeah, I was I was really fortunate that that weekend to be there for, for SummerSlam. And it was one of those things where you could tell history was being broken. And it's unfortunate, I think, that neither of them got to be in the main event of WrestleMania because no discredit to Charlotte, no discredit to Becky Lynch. It would not have happened had that match not been the fantastic bout that it was and told the story. And, and a lot of that is due to Bailey. I mean, the emotions that Bailey sold as a babyface that night, you could feel in the back row of the arena. That was the first women's main event, right? For yes. a major- it wasn't the main event. It was, yeah, that's right. It was a uh, was Finn it versus Kevin Owens in a ladder. Oh, Kevin Owens. Yes, yes, yes. Went on after. Wait, are you talking about the Iron Woman match? No, that was the one after. I'm talking okay. Brooklyn. Okay, the Iron Woman match was the one where it was the main event. Yeah, the NHT Takeover Respect. That was like six weeks later. I'd almost argue that over really the other one because I felt like that was the one that really. Uh, you know, it was the main event. It, it had everyone coming out at the end, giving flowers. And it, I don't know. I felt like that was the one where it showed that uh, women in the main event is now a thing and, and they can, they can, you know, do yeah, it better I than think, the guys. I think, Glenn, I, I think the point about it being the first time it happened as a main event, you're right. But I think Glenn's point about that match at Brooklyn set the stage for yeah, everything else. It, after. Um, it was just so good. I mean, it was just, the, the other one was great too. But there was some kind of special magic about that yeah. match that you don't catch lightning in a bottle. Respect, yeah. respect was the start. I, well, that and um, the call ups that, but I mean, but it was. I think that was more of WWE realizing and then kind of forcing it a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think if Brooklyn is what felt so organic and worked so well. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot, like the top five, top ten moments of the decade, and yeah, I can't think of a single one that really had as much of a, of an impact and a sea change for wrestling overall but yeah all in a very close second Mm -hmm. and i'm sure there will be much more coverage is there going to be a lot of end of the decade end of the decade think about that there's 10 total so i think he's had three so far so i that's a good choice did you you let him know right 
Yeah, I tweeted about that. No, I've been thinking about it myself. I mean, the pipe bomb is definitely in the top five. I think NXT unstu- uh, TakeOver Arrival yeah. is in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of it, It's interesting uh, when you just look at the things that change, the things that happen. I think All In would have been maybe more important, but I think Double or Nothing, like, kind of, it was a one-two punch. Yeah, I think All In is probably uh, is more important by a, a smidge just because that set that up you know double or none of this would be happening with aew if it weren't for all in yeah um, you gotta give i mean brock lesnar returning to wwe that was a big freaking deal yeah i wish it, we could say wwe moving to fox that should be but it's <laughs> you know it's kind of everything's kind of back WWE to network lots of WWE network wwe network definitely all important i mean you could easily come up with 10 for the decade i've just been trying to think about it and it's like yeah i think in single ones i mean the network definitely is up there it's interesting i think uh you know this is going to be a great debate on twitter as we talk about it what i can't believe though man this is the second decade of the 21st century that is coming to an end in january it will have been as much time between the year 2020 and the year 2000 as it was between the year 2000 and 1980 yeah we're almost on a 20 year anniversary of y2k think about that yeah Yeah. yes kind of nuts so the main event tonight oh perhaps not as historic we had roman reigns versus dolph ziggler Bobby Roode came out. Everyone got into this. Uh, first, Roman Reigns did uh, win the match with the spear for the pin and the win. But after is really what I think is important with uh, Baron Corbin coming out. Uh, just everything we saw with uh, Reigns being attacked by all sides, tied to the bottom of the ring, having dog food poured on him. Dog food, for Christ's sakes. God, they love this dog thing. Jeez. Yeah, they've done this before, right? It's Dog food? I yeah. feel like dog food's made an appearance, but not with Roman, has it? I thought with uh, Trish Stratus they did this thing yeah. with dog yeah. food. Yeah. yeah. Well, she well, Rude dog. wasn't there tonight. It was the replay of last week they were showing the why Rude was out. But uh, yeah, yeah, the the full attack and what was the under the ring like the unseen person under the ring tying his feet. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, they, yeah that's right. Wasn't that one of the? Was that one of like the guys that carried Corbin out? Ooh, maybe it's like Corbin's Dark Order. It's like his own <laughs> band of goons. <laughs> Does he get new guys every week, every new town? He's like, I need three guys who can carry me out to the ring on the throne. Just pick guys. Yeah, <laughs> they just pick guys who help set up the ring. Uh, yeah. I got to give I gotta give the announcing credit here. You know, they did the one thing that I always wish more people would do, which is give me a reason to care about this match. Mm-hmm. And the match was defined, right? Like, But they at the very beginning, they told the story of, Dolph Ziggler wants revenge because his tag team partner got laid out last week by Roman Reigns. And little things like that make all the difference when it comes to getting a viewer invested. Even in a what it was an essentially a meaningless match of the week on SmackDown, it still gets you invested as a viewer in a way that just scheduling matches and booking them doesn't do. Tammy's, yeah. on, Tammy's on fire tonight. <laughs> this Daniel Bryan's still <laughs> under there from last week. <laughs> Let me oh, out! Let me out! <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Like, are we supposed to feel sympathy for Bobby Roode in all of this? I don't think so. But I thought this this angle it worked to an extent in the yeah. in in the sense that at the end people were booing Corbin. Um, they were angry at him. He was getting that heel heat. Uh, you know, they were cheering for Roman. I mean, this is the reaction that they want. Um, I think with Corbin having the, the stupid looking crown and everything, it takes away from the match, I think. It makes it too silly to take it seriously. But um, it, this angle, it got the desired reaction. You're also giving 
fans a reason to believe that Baron Corbin can win a match against Roman Reigns, right? Roman Reigns is, no, sorry here, the top dog of WWE, and he can defeat anybody. And so I think that showing fans that he's Baron Corbin has his army of guys working with him, Dolph Ziggler, um, these strange guys in black suits, or, or yeah, black, uh, whatever, Leotard, whatever they are, right? All these guys on Baron Corbin's side gives him a definite advantage in, an, in a match against Roman Reigns. And so by doing angles like this, you're establishing some pecking order and some level of dominance. So from that perspective, going into TLC, I think it works as well to give the fans some intrigue about who could win this match, even though we know it'll probably be Roman Reigns. <laughs> you think? It should be. So Raj, Roman Reigns makes a lot of money. How much money would it take for you to let someone pour two cans of dog food on your head and smear it all over you? Oh, you think that's real dog food? Yeah, it actually probably is. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's like uh, refried beans. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for that money, why not? It washes out. 25 bucks. I'm there. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, probably, you know, for 500 bucks, refried beans, sure. But actual yeah. dog food for me as a vegan, that'd be kind of weird. I have to uh, consider sure. more. Yeah. But they have vegan dog food, right? Uh, dogs aren't supposed to, you know, I, that, there's this whole thing. If you ever. I mean, you have a dog. Like for mm -hmm. us, maybe maybe they could just sense that we were vegan, or they could get that thing. But for like dogs and cats, they always give you the lecture. Like these are carnivorous animals; they are natural oh, yeah. meat eaters. You cannot try and feed them a vegan diet. So uh, maybe they do, but I doubt it. And my aunt, uh, her she's a complete vegetarian, and she, her dog is she has a vegetarian diet diet for her dog. That hmm. is nuts. Yeah. Okay, so maybe vegetarian dog food, I would I would go a little less, but still, um, I think I would yak on camera, like it would just it would just be disgusting. They no, would have to it. Hey, that was an extra insult there, right? If you got a vegan, I mean, when Daniel Ryan's out there, right, that would have been an extra layer of great storytelling. Shocked, I am shocked. Vince McMahon never tried to do an angle where he forced Daniel Bryan to eat a steak. <laughs> that sounds like the most Vince McMahon angle I can think. of. Oh my gosh, he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world, right? Nobody else is like, "What are you doing?" Absolutely. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Huh. Anyhow, so that was SmackDown tonight. TLC's a week from Sunday? Yep. A week from Sunday. And they finally announced the first three matches tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so a week before the show. It's yeah. apparently a new strategy. They're, they know that they don't get pay-per-view buys anymore. And <laughs> the subscriptions are the highest, you know, towards the end when the show's coming up. So they're trying, announcing everything the week of and doing the hard push and seeing if that increases subscriptions. Because right now... Subscriptions are dropping. They're down from last year, and um, yeah, that's it's a, it's a legitimate concern. And Meltzer said they're going to go after Canadians using a VPN to illegally stream the network. I I I, I thought they were kind of doing that with everyone, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think where they have TV deals, yeah, uh, yeah they, which makes sense. Yeah, but they're—I mean—they're going to lose more and more subscribers as a result. It's—it's it's very strange right now. I don't know, man. Like the network used to feel like the most amazing thing ever, but there's something about pulling or putting WWE, uh, NXT on TV each week. It seems like there's less original content. There's less effort going into the original content. They have a free it, tier now. You saw that this week. No, they I didn't. I heard that was happening. They launched a free tier, which right now it's nothing. It's—it's it's kind of like clips you can find on YouTube, but. Yeah. Uh, well, but the whole tiers, the tiered system is is starting. They have NXT has their own pay per view still, which I'm a fan of. Don't get me wrong, sure. but it feels strange that the other brands don't. And like, but NXT is also being treated like an equal to everybody else. That's a strange time. And and I think the thing about it is like they always go in search of solutions that don't make sense to me as a viewer. Like my, my thing would be if people aren't tuning into the pay per views, why don't you just make all of your content 
more interesting, right? Um, not wait to the last minute to announce, oh, look, surprise matches. Like, does that really do anything for anybody? Nobody's talking about your product at that point, then. Just let everyone that I would say 90% of the people that have the network, it's for the pay-per-views. Right. Yeah. But what my point is, yeah, no, no, they, they buy them for, they buy the network for the pay-per-views. Sure. I wouldn't pay my 10 bucks a month right. just for, but why is your focus on getting last minute subscriptions and not just keeping people engaged to your product by making it better? <laughs> Right. Well, I think with anything, you want those splurges, right? Like HBO will do the free weekends and, you know, and they'll have the big TV show launch. So you still want those, you know, those moments where you're getting a bunch of people adding on. Well, this is, and I was going to, I didn't send this to you guys. I should have emailed you, but like the thing, the news story that came out yesterday that you reported on Raj about, um, from the observer about how they changed the raw main event at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And this is a, I was going to ask Matt about it if he's on the show. This is a head puzzling, head scratching decision to me because they put so much focus here on in the right order. Well, so-and-so had to lose because we wanted AJ Styles to take an RK off of a pin, right? So this is Vince McMahon's mentality, looking at this match, this main event of Raw and how they're going to plan this out. But then they don't give that level of detail or attention to hardly anything <laughs> else it feels like, right? It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can can't really argue that, yeah. Or inconsistent, I guess. To me, it feels very inconsistent. Like, some things, they overanalyze and overthink, and I'm like, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, Styles could have won, and he still could have been RKO'd, and would the fans have felt any different? But the other things, they completely, absolutely ignore the same level of detail. I just think it's strange. Yeah, when storylines just get dropped or forgotten yeah. about all the time, but yeah. on, like, a weekly basis, absolutely. I don't know. I just don't like the repetition. They're touting next week for Raw that, oh, Rey Mysterio is going to face AJ Styles for the U- United States title. We're going to have a phenomenal new U.S. champ. It's like AJ Styles just was the U.S. champion. Yep. This just happened. Yeah. They also said no more automatic title rematches. And what does this sound like but an automatic title rematch? Right? Now, yeah. Now there's no rhyme or reason for you know getting a uh, – you just get a rematch. It's just not necessarily automatic. Yeah. But with the tiers, I'm curious – if the top tier, if they do anything better, that's going to be the question. Are they going to add anything? Look, what's your... Oh, sorry. So the plan is to add indies to the top tier, like Evolve. Um, I don't know how well that's going to work. You have so much content. Uh, how many people are really looking to pay extra money for more wrestling? I'm sure there's some out there. Um, but again, the, the pay-per-views, uh, NXT, those are the, the big draws. I paid uh, like 10 bucks to watch Orange Cassidy versus Velveteen Dream at the Evolve pay-per-view. That happened like a year ago. So I think, I mean, there will be some value. But what tier, what do I have to pay to get Swerved, new episodes of Swerved back on the <laughs> WWE Network? Well, most of, real quick, most of the t- those top indie guys are, are now snatched away. Uh-huh. I don't know how many are out there, too, you know, that are worth the, the money. But um, Swerved? Yeah. I, I don't. I think I've watched one episode. <laughs> just go watch Punk. Just, just go watch Punk. No, the funniest point. thing about Swerved is that when they would say you got swerved, it wasn't like you got punked and everyone knew. So they had to say, like, you got swerved, which is a show on the WWE Network. <laughs> right. like they had yeah. to explain to people what it was. You never yeah. saw that when Jamie Kennedy told people they got X'd. They just oh assumed my gosh. everybody knew what X'd means. Man, man, that was a show. That was a show. Uh, 20, that, this was almost 20 years old, the Jamie Kennedy experiment. Gosh. Yeah, we're, mm. we're all very old. Very, very old. Um... So what else is going on in the world of wrestling? NXT narrowly lost to AEW on Wednesday night. Super narrowly. I mean, this was as close as it gets. It was a 0.7%. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it, uh, AE, NXT won the last two weeks. AEW winning this week. AEW has won every week so far in the demo, but that demo has been dropping, and NXT has been picking up. Um, I mean, that gap. Let me let me bring this up real quick. Um, yeah. So I mean, I have the numbers here in front of me. Um, so total viewership was eight fifty one, eight hundred fifty one thousand versus eight hundred forty five thousand for NXT. The razor thin margin of 0.71%. Um, but AEW still number eight in the cable top 150, um, which rank shows by the rating in the 1849 demo, while NXT was number 12. Um, of course, their viewership numbers were very close. But yeah, AEW still racking up in that 18 to 49 demographic. AEW drew a 0.32. NXT is right behind them with a 0.29. Both are up from last week in that demo, though. Yeah, well, last week was Thanksgiving week, That's true. Um, and so that you know that definitely hurt it. Uh, because for AEW, this was still their second lowest rating in that eighteen to forty nine demo uh, that they've had. Whereas for NXT, it was one of the highest since they've been going head to head. I think it was their third highest. Um, yeah, it was their third highest. Uh, a couple other things: AEW in that demo, the first week they beat NXT by one hundred twelve percent. The second week it was one hundred nine percent. Third week one hundred twenty percent. Uh, the fourth week for 114%. And then this last week it was 10%. So NXT has really closed the gap in that younger uh, with that younger audience. AEW is losing ground in that younger audience. Uh, NXT actually won 18 to 34 for the first time ever this week. Um, Chat room superstar tonight, E. Hubinleja, is asking, <laughs> can you explain why the demo matters so much? Treat me like I'm five. Here is the deal. Younger viewers, particularly those in the 18 to 34 year old category, are more sought after by advertisers. Now, part of the yeah, that's right, we are. Yes, right. well, not people. Raj and I, I mean, we're like two steps yeah. away from death. But that's younger right. people, we're still 18 to 49. 18 to 49 yeah, 18, is still the main demo. No, no aspirations here is Come really on, where it's at. And here's the reason why 18 to 34. These are people that tend to uh, not have children, so they have more disposable income. Nope. They're also not as brand loyal. Because they are younger in life and they have not necessarily pledged their allegiance to different brands and different buying habits. So as you get older, you have children, you have a mortgage, you have more responsibilities. You're not wasting money on stupid stuff. Well, for me, I'm married, two incomes, no kids, baby. We got five cats, though. But still, the stupid stuff I buy, whereas Raj, having to put food on the table and support his family and his children, he has to stick to more of a budget. They, so they want to go after the younger people that make poorer buying decisions and are more frivolous with their money, uh, which has always been seen as a hotter demographic for advertisers. And it's always, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. Like golf, you know, you're going to make more money off of golf than any other, you know, uh, per per minute than almost any other sport. And that has no 1849 viewers or, or you know, probably the smallest amount. Rich, like affluent white people watch golf by Ex large. Exactly. So you'll see Rolex commercials and Cadillacs. But um. Yeah, so if you look at all the, these sites like Show Show Buzz Daily and TV by the Numbers, Futon Critic, when they rank the shows, they rank them by eighteen to forty nine. They don't rank them by overall viewers. So you'll see a show uh, that's number one, you know, that has like yeah, one point two million viewers, you know, on some nights, and then like Hannity and Rachel Maddow will have you know two three million, and they're ranked way lower. And that's because of that 18 to 49 demo. They, that's how they rank the shows now. Uh, it's not by going, overall viewers. And going even further, if you look at where wrestling over indexes, 
it's largely in more rural areas and areas that are not as affluent of areas. So wrestling, if you look at it, wrestling, look at the ads on WWE TV week in and week out. Look at the advertisers on AEW. You know, if you see the general advertising for cheap car insurance, you are not a prime sought after demographic. They tend to think you have less money, you're less educated. Um, you know, you see more ads for fast food versus upscale products, uh, luxury brands and the like. So to Roger's point about golf, man, if you can hit like affluent people in the suburbs, that's like an advertiser's desired demographic. Whereas, uh, let me put it this way, when you're seeing ads for prepaid cellular, you are not in a prime demographic. Right, but it is also worth adding in here too that, and, and all those things are right, correct? But the type of demo you're after can also vary in what you offer as far as advertisements go. So for example, WWE, likes bringing in a younger audience so they can sell merch to the kids, right? So you will see more toy advertisements. It's WWE toys. You'll see more toy advertisements. You will see more cross-sponsorship with big brands. Like, I know they did something with Coke a while back, and they've done mm -hmm. fast food, but those big brands, because they have those large overall. So they're kind of more that middle America, right? Because, as Raj said earlier, um, WWE has older viewers and there, there was a study done that said their viewers were older. Um, they had more kid viewers, but right in the middle, they weren't quite as much. So, yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one more thing to that, the total viewers does still matter. Yes. Um, you know, one of the reasons why raw is so valuable to USA is, you know, when they rank these cable networks, they're all by total viewers, you know, how much they, how many total viewers they average and raw helps USA, you know, beat all these other networks. And if they didn't have raw, they wouldn't be beating these other networks. So uh, the total viewers, you know, in terms of prestige and lifting the, the overall numbers for the network up are, are a big deal. But that being said, if you look at the flip side, every year you see TV series that are renewed and you go, why is the Americans renewed? Half a million people watch that every week. There are some shows that subside in the fact that they're watched by very affluent sought after demographics yeah. mm -hmm. in a smaller number. So they get prime advertising and networks keep renewing them because ultimately you do want to be able to say we're number one, we have the most viewers, but it ain't such a bad business to be in of having a smaller audience that's worth a lot of money. Well, also, The Americans was uh, an award hound. It was one of the sure. The other thing is one of the greatest shows of all time. Please go Absolutely. watch it, right? But depressing as hell, but fantastic. Yes, but but also shows like that bring in viewership for other reasons. Also, sometimes they can grow. And, and WWE is has been very. This is a thing I always remind people. Vince McMahon did not build a wrestling company. He wanted to go out and build an American company. He wanted to build a company and a brand that could be standing alongside the NFL, Coca-Cola, that is that slice of American pie that is – it is a brand on its own, which is why you see kind of the way the company is projected and not wrestlers. Everything is about WWE. It's not about Roman Reigns. It's not about yeah. the New Day. And and that's what they want to do. It's probably hurting it too. Right. It hurts it creatively, well, but that is a recognized brand. Where did that ever come from, Raj? We hear it uh, referred to as sort of this uh, conventional wisdom that after The Rock and to an extent John Cena, Vince McMahon would never let a star become bigger than the brand where they were so dependent on them that them leaving could hurt WWE. Yeah. And uh, that came from, you're asking where that came from, Glenn? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> like I see people reference that all the time. But what oh, it's is true. That? But it was said somebody said that. Oh, wrestlers say it all the time. I mean, the talent uh, people that have worked with Vince. Uh, there's wrestlers. I mean, if you search on wrestling Inc. for quotes, there are wrestlers who Vince has basically quoted that, uh, saying, you know, uh, I won't allow talent to get bigger than the company and, and things like that. Look, by that he's never he never has to worry about business being 
you know, majorly affected when someone leaves, you know, that was an issue when Hulk Hogan left business dropped big time. Um, you know, when they, when they lost Steve Austin and the rock, you know, the popularity really went down a lot. And it seems like Vince is happier with the steady, not as popular product than having a boom period, uh, based on a, you know, a few stars, but worrying about losing them. So it, it, Again, if you don't want a super popular product and you're you're fine coasting, uh, it's fine. But the problem is, is that we're seeing big drops in popularity across the board. When people say, well, ratings are outdated or they're not accurate. If the ratings were what they are, but attendance was going up and, and merchandise and network subscriptions, and it'd be like, yes, something is off with the rating system because these other areas are showing growth. But they're all showing double-digit declines, so it's like consistent with all the other areas. So, um, you know, at some point they're going to need to change their way of thinking because you could only keep dropping in popularity so much before you reach a point of no return. Well, the sad thing is too, the company is losing all this popularity. They were ahead of the curve on the streaming channel idea. Like they were one of the first ones after Netflix and after I think MLB. They came out with this before HBO, before all these other stations had it. And it feels like they've not been able to capitalize on even that momentum that they had. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, That being said, with the ratings, one thing I do want to say is this is exactly what I've been wanting. I want them to trade wins each week. I want them to be neck and neck. This is going to bring out the best of both companies. I do not want there to be one clear winner. I want this to be competitive because that is what is truly better for us fans. And AEW, I feel like they need to do something because this Dark Order, uh, Bunny and the Blade and the Butcher and... (laughs) And you know, the Midnight Collective, all these spooky gimmicks, uh, so many of them, none of them gotten over yet. Uh, it's it's going to hurt them because they come across as really corny. It comes across like they're trying to do something that WWE does. But WWE, when they do it, they have the production, the right talent. You know, com- you compare the Brood to the Midnight, you know, to, to the Dark Order or anything. You know, and the Brood wasn't a main event gimmick, uh, but it was still way cooler. Um it's like when they're trying to create their comical characters, like the librarian, they're just falling flat. And I think they need to focus on the more real characters, you know, the Moxleys, the Jerichos, the Omega, and stop trying this other corny, the corny gimmicks, because I think that's hurting them. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why they're starting to drop in that, the younger demo. I saw one very good theory online, and I wish I could remember who posted this. But if it comes out that they're all tied together as part of Villain Enterprises and Marty Skrull is behind all of these, <laughs> that would be a satisfying pay, pay, uh, payoff if he goes to AEW. Until they have to wrestle. You know? Yeah, well, you know. Ooh, you burn. <laughs> but at least it would make sense because isn't it weird that they have so many sim- – I mean, WWE is guilty of this as well. Like there's only so many different ideas for factions, but with AEW, it being new, it does seem like they're leaning very heavily on this one trope. Yeah. Yeah, I also think AEW has like struggled from the perspective of they try to be too much to too many people. And I think they've just had some really bad missed layups here and there that just, again, I think they're doing some great stuff, right? So I don't want to sound like this, but even even last week, and I, I wanted to show with you guys, but they had this, what was it? The Jericho donkey, what he was celebrating. What was it called? Yeah, uh, yeah the, the Jerry Goat. Jerry Goat. You guys might have talked about this in the podcast, but literally less than two months removed from all the criticism you got for bringing pharaoh out there with the fireworks and then you bring out a donkey into the live arena again when you could have just as easily done a backstage pre-tape with that 
I believe it was a goat because it was a goat. It was Jared Goat, greatest of all time, right? And and so again, you did not have to do that. Um, that you know, simple things sometimes. Yeah, I, that that doesn't hurt the quality of the product. That was you know, you used to bring out Matilda and, and and a bird and a snake back in WWF in the eighties. But I, I get your point, and it didn't work that well because the goat didn't want to go to the ring, so they it was an awkward uh, moment there at the at the ramp, but. Anyway, uh, you know, when with AEW versus NXT, I, you know, this week everyone's say, been saying I'm a WWE mark last week. I'm an AEW mark. And, you know, uh, you got to listen to that. And my thing is always the best thing if, from a selfish purpose, purpose. The best thing is for both to be doing amazing. Because then and, Raj Geary just keeps printing the money. Yeah, the then I'm just sitting back, you know. Lighting it up. No. <laughs> it's like a Lighting up dollar bills. When no. you have the goatee, right? You're like an AEW mark and you shave the goatee. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right. I guess so. No, but, um, you know, I, I, obviously I want both to do great, but it's more important that AEW does well because if NXT doesn't, they're going to, you know, if they get canceled, they'll just be back on the WWE network. Nothing really changes. They they live, the wrestlers' lives don't change. You know, they're probably going to be making no. the same amounts. It does to an extent, but it's not yeah. near as much of a, a difference as if AEW went out of business. Then you lost the true alternative. Yeah. Except, uh, though, it won't be that they go back to the network. It'll be that Vince will have an, uh, his hand involved for probably a year trying to make it more competitive on TV. You know, like that's the emergency plan. And right, but I'm saying if it ultimately got dropped from USA, it's yeah. still going to live on. I, mean, I think the emergency plan there. is to get all these guys over in the XFL whenever those ratings start going down. Oh, yeah, Let's yeah. just blend the brands together. <laughs> I pay to see that. Yeah, Adam so. Cole, starting quarterback. Yeah. Missed opportunity the first time. Uh, anyhow, I think that's all we got this week, folks. Yeah, covered a lot. You know, I'd, I'd like to do more of this discussion about the top 10 moments. Uh, Maybe next yeah. week, and yeah, the fans in the chat room, you guys think of it, and and uh, we'll throw it up. Just do like yeah. a, we should just do like a bonus podcast, just top ten moments of the decade. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, with with how much story they're giving us week in and week out on Raw and SmackDown, we can make time. <laughs> Keep in yeah. mind, guys, all these rating hulk aside, you were here tonight watching the highest rated wrestling show of the week, most likely. So there you go. Wow, yeah. yeah, kind of crazy. There okay, folks. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein on Twitter. He's at The Real Wiseman. He's at Raj Geary underscore 303. Wrestling Inc. has all your latest wrestling news, editorial perspective, interviews, and et cetera. And we'll catch you back here Monday night to talk about Raw on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save